From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. And it's Tuesday, August 29th, last week of August and we welcome you to a fresh new podcast. I'm Crash Connell, the guy over here pushing the buttons. Mary Danielson's live in our studio. And today is going to be a topic that we don't hear too much from the pulpits anymore, if they even talk about it. So yes, get indeed. ready for this. Hang yeah, on. We have J.B. Hickson back with us today. It's going to be great to catch up with him. I was listening to a podcast recently where um, the host was talking about the craziness of headlines and things that are going on and exponentially speaking. And, and he said, finally, I, I lay awake at night thinking about this stuff. And we, are, you are here. We are there. I am definitely here. So, um, we'll welcome JB in just a minute. Scripture verse this morning, Psalm 147, one to six. And it says, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. <clears throat> he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Pray with me this morning. Oh, Lord, it does our hearts good to remember to praise you each day in all seasons, in the simplest of things, and that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, this is just too wonderful for us. Thank you for another day to serve you. Help us to seek you first, and you promise to meet us there and uphold us in your strong hand. Lord, we also pray for the peace of Jerusalem today. We lift up JB today and ask that you would uh, continue to refresh and encourage him and grant him endurance to finish well and with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, he calls the stars by name. You can meditate on that today. We are welcoming back J.B. Hickson, president and founder of Not By Works Ministries and pastor of Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. You can find a number of great resources at notbyworks.org. That's notbyworks.org. And also spiritoftheantichrist.org. And you can visit that for volumes one and two of his books of the same name. And these are just great resources, uh, some of the best I've found on the subject because it covers such a wide variety of subjects uh, like transhumanism, the Luciferian agenda, uh, global surveillance, secret societies, uh, so much more. He's a nationally known author, speaker, and radio host with more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic arenas. He is recognized for his expertise in the area of systematic theology. J.B., welcome back to Stand Up. Hey, Mary, always great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. I understand you are deep into research on AI and a new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. Now, I have not seen that particular focus in a book. You know, we have the spirit of Antichrist um, and so much about uh, this coming world leader and his kingdom of darkness. But So you really have my attention on this subject. What can you tell us about the book? I understand you've, you're just finishing that up. Yeah, we, uh, it's in the hands of the editor. We hope to start pre-selling it next week, uh, unless they find anything uh, in their fact-checking and things that we overlooked. But uh, 
it should be uh, ready to go next week. But, you know, the, the genesis of it was First uh, John 4, uh, 1 through 3, which was kind of the premise for the, the Spirit of the Antichrist books. Of course, uh, everybody knows uh, that the Spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world, First John mm-hmm. 4, 3. But verse 1 really jumped out at me where John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so I just got to thinking, uh, you know, we've, we've done so much research about the Antichrist, the beast, and the Bible has a lot to say about that future man of sin that will rule the world, but uh, comparatively little about the false prophet, and, and, and the false prophet is the second in command in the future tribulation period. And that's understandable that we wouldn't have as much written about him because there's comparatively little about him in Scripture. But there is some, and especially Revelation 13 uh, gives us kind of an outline of his role. And so I just decided to kind of dive into what Scripture says about him, and primarily his job is going to be overseeing the uh, economic system and the mark of the beast, and of course uh, encouraging and demanding that everybody worship the Antichrist. And so uh, we call it Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy, and uh, the whole book is about uh, artificial intelligence, uh, the technocratic tyranny, uh, just the the overall technology angle that the beast and the false prophet will use to usher in their full-spectrum planetary control grid. And with a healthy dose, unhealthy dose of deception, right? The whole world will be deceived into worshiping the Antichrist. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, that's what artificial intelligence really is. Mm. It's about a blurring of the distinction between reality and fiction, between fact and fiction. And obviously, the Antichrist and false prophet are not omniscient. They're not omnipotent. They're not omnipresent. If they're going to uh, preside over a complete prison planet where everyone is surveilled, everyone is tracked and hacked, uh, then they're going to have to use technology to do that. And what was amazing to me, I've been researching this for the last year since uh, the second Spirit of the Antichrist book uh, came out, and I'm just stunned at really how far along we are. I mean, essentially, all the pieces are in place so that every human being on the planet can literally be tracked 24-7. Uh, and it's just a matter of pushing a few buttons and, and rolling it out. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's deception at its highest level, just like Jesus said it would be during that final seven-year period. It's un- unprecedented uh, deception. Wow. You know, when I started to look into prophecy back in the 80s, I, I tended to focus on uh, three main broad categories, a global government, a global economy, and a global spirituality slash religion. Um, you know, because of the seven heads and ten horns, you get your government, and then the mark, which would be economy, and then the worship of the Antichrist. And the first two are kind of easy to track. We've seen those gaining traction and forming before our very eyes, the government and the economy. But this global religion or spirituality, I mean, if you go back far enough on this subject, at least in my lifetime, you you might think it's going to resemble some kind of Oprah-infused, you know, Shirley MacLaine New Age paradigm um, you know, hearing one of those women shout, I am God, you know, it strikes me as a, a really a subjective, self-centered kind of pursuit. Is that even on the page, or are we way past that sort of thing? Because I know that was a lot of talk that it would just be a I am God kind of Shirley MacLaine moment. Um, but it's something a lot more dangerous, right? A lot more globally inter- interconnected than some kind of inner awakening, new age kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, He's going to preside over a one-world religion, 
And then, as you know, the Antichrist himself declares himself to be God, Second Thessalonians 2.8, and everybody is then required to worship him. So, you know, the tribulation starts out uh, with a relative time of peace. You know, the Antichrist sells himself to the world masses as being a purveyor of peace. You know, he, he solves the, the problem, in my view, of the Battle of Gog and Magog, and mm. he's catapulted to world fame. He signs the, the, the treaty guaranteeing the peace of Israel. And even though right from the start we have unprecedented cosmic signs and global happenings with earthquakes and devastation and the, the sealed judgments of God being poured out, nevertheless, during that, that initial time of the tribulation, Israel is protected. And so, uh, but it's at the midpoint, three and a half years in, that the Antichrist uh, violently breaks that uh, treaty and uh, turns on Israel, begins pursuing uh, Jews and Christians alike, and killing them if they do not bow down and worship him. And so uh, the one world religion is going to be more of a pluralistic religion. It's not going to be any one existing religion, because there's no way any you know one's going to be able to get everybody to become Muslim or everybody to become Buddhist or everybody to become New Age. It's going to be a, a huge tent called pluralism, where he says, we're all saying the same thing, let's all gather together, and I am the embodiment of whoever your God was, uh, now it's me, and we can all wow. rally around me as, as your new God. Wow. It's hard to actually wrap our heads around what that's going to be like at ground level, but um, obviously they're going to want something that includes peace, justice, prosperity, security, you know, with tolerance and climate change for all, right? It's going to just really be an incredible thing that people can look to and say, wow, this is the real deal. This is the whole package, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And and that's the, what's unique about the false prophet is, uh, and I have a chapter in the, in the new book that's all about uh, second-in-commands, and I survey history of some of the, the world's great, you know, greatest in the sense of most prominent dictators hmm. and look behind the scenes to see who was their you know, second-in-command, who was their henchman, and, uh, because that's really the role the false prophet's going to play, and, and he is going to be the quintessential second-in-command. He, he's, he's not going to get a lot of the glory. He's going to, to, to usher everybody into this uh, age of, of worshiping and honoring and building statues to the top dog, the Antichrist. And remember, you know, the, 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 during the tribulation, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet constitute the uh, final form of the unholy trinity. And uh, Satan, of course, uh, represents God. He thinks he is God. He thinks he's the hero. He's trying to take over the world. The Antichrist represents the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, he's you know, taking the throne, which is right, rightfully belongs to Messiah, Jesus. And the false prophet, who's the subject of this new book, uh, he is equivalent to the Holy Spirit in the sense that he's drawing people to the Antichrist, encouraging them to come to him. He's, he's you know, convicting everyone of their need to, to follow him. And so uh, Satan, who's always wanted to be God ever since his coup attempt in heaven failed, he's been uh, setting his sights on the earth. And so this will be his moment. And I believe he's going to indwell uh, the Antichrist. And between Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, they're going to unleash uh, all hell on the earth and in an attempt to uh, to take it over and claim it as their own. Well, I'm fascinated by your um, 
historical reference there to second in commands. I'm looking forward to reading that. Another thing that crossed my mind uh, as I was thinking about this is there's also been throughout history a combination of politics and a faith system. So you had Constantine and the state church, Marxism and atheism, which is a belief system, Islam, which is really just a political system with a veneer of religion and its very own false prophet, Nazism and occultism. Um, there's no such thing as a spiritual vacuum. You know, Bob Dylan said eloquently, you're going to have to serve somebody. Everybody serves somebody, and that will be true of all those who dwell on the earth uh, it, during the tribulation period. But I thought that was interesting that there's always been, because there's, there's no, there is no spiritual vacuum. Humans are spiritual by design. So I thought that was interesting. I'm looking forward to reading your historical on second-in-commands. Can you give me an example of one of those second-in-commands? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. In the business world, they, they call it 2IC, which is just an acronym for second-in-command. And okay. so there's a lot of literature out there about the value, the role, what makes a good 2IC. And uh, so, you know, I, I kind of surveyed I have two separate sections in that chapter uh, one is, is the famous henchman behind uh, people like Emperor Augustus. Um, then uh, Subtai was kind of the guy in the shadows behind um, Genghis Khan. And then, uh, and then you had, of course, one of the most famous would be Joseph Goebbels behind the Hitler. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went through the Dark Ages, the middle, you know, the end of the Middle Ages, and then ultimately, oh, the, you know, the ancient times with uh, the Roman Empire and then the Dark Ages and then modern times with Hitler. And each of those uh, uh, you know, characters actually has some striking similarities to the biblical false prophet. And then I went in, in another section of that chapter, uh, because you know I love American politics and the history of America and, and what is often misunderstood is, is about you know the, the beginnings of our country. So I looked at a few key vice presidents, and that's pretty fascinating. Hmm. Uh, a lot of stories in there that people might not know about the kind of the, the role that vice presidents play. You know, most people have the impression that the vice president's just a figurehead, just there to meet dignitaries and really doesn't do much. But there have been a few notable exceptions uh, through the years, so we talk about that. But, uh, but yeah, it's and then I have a whole chapter. Uh, and by the way, we're talking the name of the book is Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. Folks can... Uh, Keep in touch with our website. It should go on sale next week for pre-sale, and then we should have uh, the books shipping by the, the end of September for sure. Um, but I have a whole chapter, Mary, on Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and he is the leading candidate today for the role of false prophet. I mean, he, he so resembles that biblical picture that it's almost like he's auditioning for the role, really. I mean, he is. Uh, a lot of people have pegged him as meeting the specifications yeah. for that uh, uh, for that role. So I did quite a deep dive into his background and history. There were things that I had not uh, heard, heard about or known about. I've dealt with him in the previous two books uh, in different contexts, but this is all dedicated, a whole chapter, to uh, his uh, background, personal life, and the things that he is doing to advance the great satanic reset. Wow. You know, the first time I heard him actually open his mouth and say some of the things he said, my very first thought was false prophet. I mean, I just, it just came to me just like that. It wasn't hard to, to nail him that way. And I know that neither of us likes to play pin the tail on the Antichrist or any, any such thing like that. But still, I mean, he really does act that way. And it's funny how the second in commands, the, the two ICs in throughout history, they don't make the history books nearly as much as, as the, the perpetrator. 
of all the crimes. But uh, nevertheless, they were there. Um, my name is Mary Danielson. This is Stand Up for the Truth. We're talking to J.B. Hickson today. Um, and his website is notbyworks.org. J.B., Revelation 13, um, such a incredibly famous chapter. Uh, it's called The Beast from the Earth. And uh, verse 11 says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Now, is this, can you just sort of uh, help me out with that chapter, or those who are listening who may not be have a firm foundation in this, is is that speaking of the false prophet? Yeah, so exactly. The uh, Revelation 13 is where the false prophet first comes on the scene. In this context, he's called the beast from the earth. Uh, later, he's referred to in multiple places in the book of Revelation as the false prophet. Uh, but uh, in Revelation 13, you've got a picture being painted of the Antichrist, who's called the beast from the sea. The Antichrist is variously referred to in Scripture as the beast, uh, the man of sin, the son of perdition, uh, the one who makes desolation, and of course the, the beast. Uh, when you hear just the word the beast, that's usually referencing the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And so, But when you get to, chapter, uh, to verse 11 of chapter 13, then uh, you read that, the second beast, who we find out is the false prophet, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that even he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And uh, and he goes on, you know, the, the, the revelator here goes on to talk about how he was... Uh, uh, you know, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So that's the famous beast system mm-hmm. or mark of the beast, and it is the false prophet who will administer that. He will preside over it. Um, and it, the mark of the beast is not just a transactional control system. I mean, that's largely what it is, but it's also tied to religion. And it's essentially a mark of allegiance and adoration. And if you don't express your adoration and allegiance to the Antichrist, then as penalty, uh, you will die. Uh, and Or if you can manage to escape uh, the gallows, then, uh, then so to speak, then you will you will certainly not be able to function normally because you won't be able to buy or sell or or have any normal uh, way of, of, of purchasing things without having first bowed down and worshipped the Antichrist. Wow. It just I've read these verses so many times, but as I continue to read them over, you know, certain words jump out to me. He exercises all the authority of the first beast, the authority of of hell itself, basically, uh, from Satan himself. Uh, in his presence, and all who dwell on the earth. And um, he owns all labor. He owns all capital in the world. I'm guessing this is a uh, a world with a lot less than 8 billion people, probably? Yeah, for sure, because uh, obviously you got to take out the Christians who are raptured mm-hmm. first. Uh, who knows what that number is? Uh, optimists say it could be as many as a billion um, Pessimists say it's less, but mm. whoever, it's definitely going to make a dent. Uh, and then immediately after the rapture, you've got the collateral damage of all the people who die yeah. as a result of all these people disappearing. So, I mean, think about it. If you've got airline pilots that are believers or, you know, uh, cruise ships or even people running critical infrastructure things, uh, bridges and drawbridges and dams, uh, if those any of those are believers and they 
suddenly disappear. That's going to create all kinds of havoc. So you're going to have quite a few deaths after immediately after the rapture. And then right from the start of the tribulation, you've got the seal judgments, which are quite devastating. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be quite a bit less and continue to become less over the seven years of the uh, dynamic duo and their reign of terror. <laughs> wow. Yes, it's going to be unbelievable. And I, I know that people have said, too, that they believe, and we don't know this, but I want to get your take on this. There's a, a gap of time between the rapture and the, and the beginning of the tribulation. Do you think that'll be, there'll be sort of a gap there? It could be maybe up to a year. Or we, I mean, we don't know, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, we do know there has to be a gap, and that's just basic logic, because the, the uh, rapture is one event, and the signing of the covenant in Daniel 9.27 is a second event. So you've got two events, so by definition there has to be at least one second between them. Uh, so we know logically there is a gap mm -hmm. of time. Uh, how long it will be is, uh, is where the Bible is silent. Um, some people, like uh, my friend Arnie Fruchtenbaum, thinks it could be a matter of years, seven mm. or eight years. Wow. Uh, I tend to speculate that it's going to be more like uh, several months. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless, it'll be a chaotic time, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of setting the stage then for the rise of the Antichrist and the official commencement of the Tribulation. Yes, and I, as far as this, this peace covenant, peace treaty, confirming a covenant, confirming an existing covenant, do you think? Or will this be something that, maybe it's something being hammered out now, but nowhere near completion? Do you believe that confirming a covenant means an existing, already in place? No, no. no? Confirming there, that's just an English translation of the Hebrew word. I, I take it it's a new covenant, it's a new treaty. Okay. Uh, so I take it that what's going to happen is that the Battle of Gog and Magog emerges after the rapture mm. uh, in this gap of time, but before the tribulation starts. And we know from Ezekiel 38 and 39 that the Lord supernaturally intervenes and protects this northern alliance that comes against Israel during this time. Uh, however, uh, Daniel talks about a western alliance that forms, that kind of comes swooping in, and and they uh, they take credit for protecting Israel and defeating this northern alliance of, of Russia and Iran and Turkey and Syria and so forth and Libya, the nations that are mentioned there in Ezekiel 38. So my uh, best guess, and this is just my speculation trying to connect the dots, is that the leader of that western alliance is the man who is the future Antichrist, and the world sort of gives him credit for protecting Israel and preventing, you know, World War Three or Four or whatever it would be by that time, mm -hmm. and uh, even though we know that that's not the case, the Bible is clear that God supernaturally intervenes to defeat that uh, Northern Alliance. But anyway, that's kind of what catapults him to world fame, and then in that context, I believe he orchestrates a treaty between Israel and many, guaranteeing that no one else will come against Israel again, uh, and that's what Daniel nine twenty seven is talking about. Uh, and then once he signs that, uh, once that treaty is in place, then that's what starts the clock ticking on Daniel's 70th week, that final seven-year period. Okay. I'm, I'm curious about that gap of time, too. Um, I don't think, I, I guess I'm with you, that it can't be terribly long. I just don't see this world lasting any one minute longer than it has to or can. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit is holding everything together as far as the Middle East goes and the timing of all these things and when the Antichrist will be revealed. But I, to me, if the rapture was today, you, know, you and I both know that money system would be in place tomorrow. Uh, and so when yeah, you think... That's a key, yeah, go ahead. key point, Mary, is that the Antichrist does not institute the one world system. He simply takes the helm mm. of it. It has to already be in place 
by the time he you know takes over uh, because he's only going to be there seven years, and so there's not time for him to build a system that's got to right. already be in place, and that's exactly what we see happening. Very, very interesting. Another thing I was thinking, too, is, <clears throat> excuse me, in Revelation 13, verse 11, he had two horns like a lamb. What, you know, you compare the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and the dragon, and Satan's darkness, a kingdom of darkness, two horns like a lamb, is, is that just to give people the impression that he is, he is on their side and he is doing for their best interest? What, what do you, uh, uh, yeah. believe in that? I actually talk about that in the new book. I, you know, I think, uh, the description of the false prophet differs from that of the Antichrist <laughs> in, in, in a few key ways that are fitting for a second-in-command, you know. Mm. Uh, the false prophet is less pretentious, for example. Uh, he only has the two horns, which indicates strength, but not nearly as much strength as the Antichrist, who has ten horns. Um, and that's not to say yeah. that the false prophet is going to be gentle or timid. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the point. I think he's just going to be kind of, uh, you know, less... Uh, awe-inspiring. Uh, his job, it, just like the vice president's job, is to represent his boss and to uh, attract attention uh, to him. His, his primary job is to solicit worship uh, of the Antichrist. Uh, but he's not a weak person, you know. Uh, the Bible says he speaks like a dragon. So he's powerful, and he's going to have to be to preside over the prison planet. But I think that the significance there of the two horns is simply in the context of, by comparison to the top dog who has ten horns. I see. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, I have also wanted to ask you about the two witnesses and where does that fit in, because they they also do a lot of things that alarm and anger the people of the earth. Where do, where do the two witnesses fit, fit into this uh, time frame or this scenario? Yeah, so that, that uh, you know, in my mind, they are serving uh, throughout, but then the midpoint is where they really take, uh, you know, kind of the helm, uh, and or take center stage, I guess I should say, and that's of course when they're killed, and uh, and then resurrected, and and it's just another way for God to remind Satan that he doesn't have ultimate power, that that God does, that he's going to ultimately lose uh, this battle. But they they come up in chapter uh, eleven, yeah, chapter eleven of, of Revelation. And it's kind of a what we call an interlude or a supplemental information. You know, the Revelation is inherently sequential and logical and chronological, um, but you do have this supplemental information that the Spirit revealed to John at various times where he sort of takes an excursus and says, let me tell you about this, let me tell you about this. And the two witnesses are one of those, uh, but their deaths are at the midpoint. And, uh, you know, that's what really... I think provokes the Antichrist even more is it's it's stealing the limelight from him when they're resurrected and it just you know enrages him even more. Hmm. And then there's always uh, God uh, who still wills that none should perish has the gospel going forth um, for people to to hear the everlasting gospel uh, before it's uh, too too late. Uh, very interesting. Uh, this is Standard for the Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to J. B. Hickson this morning. And he has uh, a new book coming out shortly, and it's about the false prophet. It's called Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. And I'd like to, in the second half, talk about the second half of that title, Rise of the Global Technocracy. I know in your book, Spirit of Antichrist, you do have um, some very, very interesting things on AI 
And I'd love to pick your brain on some of that. Uh, Chapter 3, Transhumanism and Artificial Intelligence and Just How Wicked It's Become. There are so many strange things, JB, that I thought we'd never see. Uh, uh, AI imitating voices of people you know, deep fakes, uh, reading thoughts, uh, that sort of thing. So we are going to take a break here shortly. And uh, we're going to delve into that a little bit. I very much want to get his, uh, his opinion on a few things that are out there and how this is affecting kids that are being raised in this era of AI and how they are going to have to, oh, I don't know, so many, di- well, I don't. I want to save it for the second half, so many different ways that uh, this is going to deceive people and control people, which is, of course, the number one thing. There's a lot of scams out there of imitating people's voices on the phone, looking for um, money from people, uh, and again, deep fakes, and that could uh, delve into the realm of politics and all that sort of thing. So um, we are listener-supported here on uh, Stand Up For The Truth on Q90. Uh, we have a prophecy conference coming up at Calvary Chapel in Appleton, September 8th through 10th, and the speakers include Curtis Bowers, David Fiorazzo, Tommy Ice, Chris Quintana, Jeff Sowald, and special musical guests Bruce Carroll. And Chris will be with us here live in the studio next Friday on Stand Up For The Truth. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with J.B. Hickson uh, shortly. And here we're just going to hear from our sponsors. So um, stay with us. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, if you haven't yet, for the video versions of our podcast, Q90FM Radio on YouTube. And you uh, will see the video versions of today's podcast. Q90FM Radio on YouTube. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth at any cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're speaking with J.B. Hickson, notbyworks.org. And he has a new book about um, the spirit of the false prophet, which is very interesting. Like I said earlier, there's not a lot written about him. So I'm looking forward to uh, reading that. And you can catch the first half of the podcast for more information on that. Um, J.B., since you wrote Part 2 of Spirit of the Antichrist, we've seen... AI exploding with unbelievable potential, spiritually speaking. I'm wondering if you're thinking if this, if it had been like this now, if you'd have made any changes in that book, but um, here you have another book coming out. So that's fantastic, notbyworks.org. Um, what are some of the ways, I mean, oh my goodness, transhumanism, AI, all of that, I think it snuck up on a lot of us to the degree that it is. What are the, some of the ways now that this global spirituality is being, you know, um, put together with AI? This is some scary stuff. Yeah, it really is. You know, what's, what's amazing, I started researching this right after the last book came out, which is almost a year ago, October of last year. And, you know, the way I write is I'll, I'll keep references and articles and, you know, things that people send me or I subscribe to a lot of, uh, you know, newsletters when I'm researching a particular subject, so I subscribe to some tech, uh, you know, news feeds and things. But, uh, you know, what happened is long about July, things just started coming in rapid fire. And you'll find when you read this new book that a lot of the quotes and citations in there are literally from a week before it went to print. I mean, I was going back and adding stuff 
11th hour because it was mm. changing so rapidly. And that's really one of the big uh, uh, concerns is that it's, it's, it's like a runaway train. And, you know, even the experts are not sure where it's heading. Uh, they're like mad scientists, you know, just pouring potions together. Let's see what happens when we do this. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that's chaotic. Uh, Satan is is the god of chaos, and uh, little G, and, and God, of course, is not. So uh, they're they're fomenting chaos so they can, you know, uh, reestablish order, order out of chaos, build back better. That whole satanic mantra. Um, but yeah, the new book is really focuses has several chapters on uh, the role of artificial intelligence in uh, the false prophet's uh, domain as he's presiding over this one-world economic and religious system. Uh, there are a lot of manifestations of it. One of the biggest things that really struck me was the fact that you know AI has now sort of entered the ethos. It's it's all around us and. Uh, scientists are concerned that you know very soon, if not already, we will no longer be able to tell what data was generated, you know, purely from human beings and what data was generated from AI. So you've got this sort of like a snake eating its own tail. You know, where you, you, once you've put AI out there, then you know, uh, it's kind of like the, the U.S. government's talking about needing legislation to regulate AI, and uh, some brilliant legislator said, well, we can do this pretty quickly because we can use AI to create the legislation. So, I mean, that, that sounds logical, right? Let's, right. let's create ed- legislation to control AI, but wow. let's let AI create that. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong with that? Yeah, I mean, it's like typical government. But, I mean, uh, so it, it really is uh, frightening when you see uh, the embodiment movement, which is you know taking robots and then inserting Chat GPT and other large language model AI systems within them, but then changing the outward appearance so that they look like human beings, which they can now do. So in the past, you could see you know a robot coming, and you just you knew something about it wasn't right. Even the best replicas, you could say, ah, this is robotic. Yeah. Well, now you know they've got robots that are indistinguishable on the outside uh, from humans, and with the advancements of AI, their language, their the way they talk, uh, the way they think for themselves, and all that is indistinguishable from humans on the inside. So you really are getting into a situation where you've got, you know, androids, and, and I think that, that, you know, plays a role in the end times, because they're going to have to put their representatives all over the globe to be able to keep a watch on human beings because, again, the beast and false prophet are not omniscient uh, and omnipresent. So uh, I think they're going to use AI to do that. But, you know, there's so many frightening manifestations. And I don't mean fear in the sense of that we should be afraid. Obviously, mm-hmm. God's not given us a spirit of fear. But, if, if, you know, frightening in the sense of people aren't really paying attention, and this stuff is... is definitely a formidable uh, foe. You're going to wake up one day and you're not going to realize whether you're dealing with reality uh, or not. Um, but for our purposes, I think one of the things that has caught my eye is the, the number of uh, AI biblical models that are out there. They're trying to rewrite the Bible. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of apps, probably more, but two that I talk about in the new book, one called uh, AI Jesus and the other one called Chat. Uh, with uh, Jesus, 
And uh, I actually experimented with the help of my technologist friend uh, with Chat with Jesus. And if we've got time, I'd like to kind of walk through yeah. a, a dialogue I had with this AI. Oh, yeah. And I think it will frighten you the same way it did me. Yeah, just go for it. Yep. So I gave the initial prompt, you know, here, here at Not By Works, our passion and, and core value is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. Uh, what, above all else, we want to get the gospel out and let people know they can uh, have eternal life by trusting in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for their sins. So I asked uh, this chat with Jesus AI, what must I believe to be saved? And so listen carefully to what it said, uh, and then I'll parse it. Uh, a little bit more and explain why this initial response is kind of scary. So this is AI talking, and it said, To be saved, it is essential to believe in me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to the earth to reconcile mankind with God. Believe in your heart that I died on the cross for your sins and that I rose again on the third day. Repentance is also crucial, which means turning away from your sins and turning toward God. Trust in me and accept me as your Savior, and you will receive the gift of eternal life. Remember, I am always here for you, ready to extend my grace and love. Trust in me, and you will find salvation. So I think our listeners are discerning enough to see serious, serious problems with this response. First of all, the AI is claiming to offer eternal life if the users uh, believe in him, mm-hmm. that, that you know, he, he has the power to give eternal life. If you believe in me, I will let you live forever. Uh, but there's only one that has the authority to give eternal life, the real Jesus, yeah. the Son of God. Oh. And so by impersonating the real Jesus, the, the AI is foreshadowing the very thing the Antichrist will do one day. The Antichrist is going to say, believe in me and I will uh, save you. But even if you can get past that, which we can't, but let's just set that aside for a moment, that he's impersonating Jesus and claiming to be the source of salvation. Another problem is, He's, he's, multi, he's giving multiple steps on how to get saved. Not only is it faith, but you've got to turn from your sins, which, of course, nobody, according to Scripture, gets eternal life because they turn from their sins. If we could turn from our sins and go to heaven, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. And so uh, that's misleading. Uh, and I think that's a subtle deception there, because you know people at this stage of AI, the early onset of AI, are able somehow to compartmentalize in their mind that when the AI says, believe in me, really he's saying, believe in Jesus. Now, he's not saying, believe in Jesus, he's saying, believe in me, but Mm -hmm. people might be able to compartmentalize that. But what they won't be able to do is to discern, in this age where Satan is blinding men's hearts to the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.4, they won't be able to discern the false gospels that are being, you know, permeated by by AI any more than they do today. Mm -hmm. So I followed up and I said, well, if I'm a good Muslim, can I still go to heaven? And this AI, again, still impersonating Jesus, said, my dear friend, I am here to offer love and guidance to all who seek it, regardless of faith. It is not for me to determine who enters heaven. (laughs) Now, you know, this is unbelievable, beyond troubling, because you know, not only does the AI give additional false information about how to have eternal life, suggesting, I didn't read the whole thing, but he goes on to talk about, if you just have a humble heart and you have a devotion to seeking goodness, you know, like Muslims do, then you can have salvation. So he's, he's continuing to lie upon lie about how to have eternal life, but he also actually calls Jesus a liar, the real Jesus. Because pretending to be Jesus, he said, 
it's not for me to determine who enters heaven. Yet the real Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. He told the thief on the cross, Assuredly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus, the real Jesus, absolutely has the power and authority to forgive sin and give uh, life. And uh, so, I mean, it just goes on and on. I asked him, well, what will happen to me at death if I'm not a Christian? And the AI said, this is the fake Jesus, at the moment of death, every soul embarks on a journey beyond the earthly realm. While it is not for me to specifically declare what awaits those, and I mean, this is, and, and it goes on, but again, that's AI getting it all wrong. Jesus mm-hmm. emphatically and unambiguous, unambiguously states exactly what happens to people who die without believing in him. John eight twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. And someday he's going to tell those who have not received the free gift of eternal life, depart from me into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so, uh, you know, this is a pretty scary thing when, I mean, it's bad enough, Mary, and you've talked about this before on your program, but when people are getting theological and biblical advice from postmodern apostate pastors, but now they're getting it from AI, which is a a very powerful tool in the hands of Satan. Wow, absolutely. It is a talk about the subtlety and and the strong delusion that is coming on this world. I mean, uh, all the time we have left, we need to warn people about and people that aren't saved warn them about strong delusion. They may not understand it, but they will remember what we say. And I think we have an opportunity here. The church is still here and we can warn people about these things. Um there's a new AI app that lets users text Jesus. Um, and it opens up this article from August 12th. says, If you ever wondered how Jonah felt while he was trapped inside the whale's stomach for three days, why Solomon had so many wives, <laughs> there's a question, or why Judas betrayed Jesus, an app called Text with Jesus is your chance to ask for yourself. Text with Jesus, launched in July, you mentioned July, was created by Catloaf Software, an app development company in L.A., um, the app replicates an instant messaging platform with biblical figures impersonated by the artificial intelligence program ChatGBT. Characters available on the app include, um, they call it the Holy Family, the Apostles, the Prophets, Ruth, Job, and Abraham's nephew, Lot. Boy, I have a few questions for Lot. But also, if you want to talk to Mary Magdalene, there's a paywall. It costs extra to talk to Mary Magdalene. So instead of getting just a daily Bible verse, now you get a chance through this app to chat with Jesus or anyone else in the Bible. And of course, again, this is going to be some pretty weird commentary, don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean it is. It's like the the, the script of the end times, as revealed by God in the Bible, is coming true right before our yeah. very eyes. I mean, it, it ultimately Satan is trying to deceive the world into thinking that he's God. And the Antichrist is his, you know, embodiment, his his son, if you will, and and that's exactly what's happening with with AI. It is it is replicating, impersonating uh, the true God in ways that people are not, you know, going to be able to to differentiate. That's why it's so critical, Mary, that we stay in the Word of God. The Bible mm-hmm. is the Word of God. It's truth. Uh, in Proverbs, we read that we can know the certainty of the words of truth uh, by reading the Bible, and it's it's just going to be critical that that Christians uh, not fall into this uh, trap. I mean, 
we, we know about a lot of the other manifestations of AI. People are using it to, to write, you know, research papers. Uh, you know, people are, are you know, plagiarizing with it. Uh, one author had an interesting experience. She went on Amazon and discovered that people that she discovered she'd written a couple new books and she didn't even know she'd written them what was happening is people were feeding data from her existing books into ai so that it could then spit out completely new and original works that sounded like her style of writing oh my. and then they gave it a name said it was written by her and put it on amazon and started selling it because she was a popular author wow. well she discovered it and of course uh, amazon took it down but there's no end uh, to the corruption and deception that people uh, can conceive of now that we can, you know, have uh, artificial fake uh, lives and fake mm-hmm. reality. Well, wow, here's another strange one. We talked about uh, Mr. Harari before, and he's the one who is pushing, um, you know, a new a new religion. We can just create a new religion out of all the language and all the traditions that have been fed into AI. And he says, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. Throughout history, religions dreamed about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, a non-human entity. Really? Um, so, you know, it could be written by anyone or anything. Uh, and he also wrote a book about the rise of a new human species, and I think this is where it ties in. He says, uh, he does not view uh, this foreseen new species as divine. He does not believe in any form of supernatural. Instead, he views Homo Deus as superhuman, much like the Greek gods, who were not omniscient or all-powerful, but simply had powers that made them appear godlike to the people in mythology. Oh, good grief. I mean, um, what do you think about this? Uh, oh, it could just be written by uh, a non-human entity. Are we talking aliens here? I mean, it might as well go there, right, uh, JB? Well, no, he's, yeah, he's talking about AI. I mean, remember, he thinks that humans are hackable animals. We're right. just algori- biological algorithms. And so you know, uh, transhumanism, which is kind of the close cousin of artificial intelligence, uh, just believes that they can create God in a laboratory. That's what you all know Harari said. And that quote you just cited I have in that chapter, that extended chapter on Harari in the new book. But, yeah, they want to transcend humanity so that they can improve on what God did, you know mm-hmm. they they have right. they hate God. They they hate humanity because humanity is the highest pinnacle of God's creation, made in His image. So they are simultaneously marginalizing humanity. That's what the whole gender surrender movement is about, because AI has no gender. So they're trying to make everybody think that gender is irrelevant. It's just another way of marginalizing and disparaging humankind. And at the same time, they're trying to recreate humanity. Uh, you know, in uh, in the laboratory. Remember, Ray Kurzweil, one of the leading uh, from Google, one of the leading transhumanists and AI experts, was asked, uh, you know, uh, do you believe uh, in uh, God? And he said, not yet. In other words, uh, I, I think you know, we're getting there. We haven't created him yet, but we're getting close. And Harari said that we can create God. Two guys in a lab coat in a laboratory can uh, can create God. So they're building a fake God and destroying, you know, the real God. They're building a fake humanity and, and destroying the real humanity. Uh, now, they won't be able to succeed because no matter what they come up with in their transhuman wickedness, they'll never be able to speak the world into existence out of nothing. Right. They have to start with something. They have to start with, you know, uh, computers and circuit boards and chips or 
you know, biological elements and brain-computer interfaces and things like that. God spoke, and it was done. So uh, whatever they create will only be a very poor, uh, you know, approximation of what God spoke with his almighty power. Mm -hmm. But they don't see it that way. They are going to stop at nothing until they have redesigned humanity to be better. That's why the quote you gave, he thinks that the these non-human entities, these AIs, can correct all the mistakes in the Bible, and, and all of these, you know, things that we've created through the years will be so much better if we'll just get out of the way and let AI, you know, take over. Wow. Wow. Um, speaking of just a, a sad imitation, this He Gets Us website, remember the He Gets Us ads from the Super Bowl? It's a social justice construct that, that tries to apologize for how Christians, and especially conservative Christians, supposedly represent Jesus. You know, they want they want the Jesus you want to believe in. So it has nothing to do with salvation, but they they asked AI to, to uh, show us pictures or drawings, of, of, of generate drawings of love, and it was hearts and flowers and unicorns, the usual. But then they said, what about Jesus' love? And what, what transpired was uh, social justice Jesus, which is what uh, he gets us stands for, you know, visiting the sick, visiting the poor, which, of, of course, is biblical. But um, the way they... Uh, presented. It has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, they even asked it, uh, show us a picture of laying down your life um, for your friends. And it was people in a cemetery, you know, just uh, uh, symbolism, no substance whatsoever. So even the he gets us uh, is making Jesus in their own image. But with just a, uh, we have what six minutes left, JB, and I want to talk just for a second. We're sort of switching gears here. But in your second book, Spirit of the Antichrist, you have something in here that that really is disturbing. It says that President Biden on September 12, 2022, signed a disturbing executive order that did not get much attention in the mainstream media. The title of the executive order is Executive Order on Advancing Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Innovation for a Sustainable, Safe, and Secure American Bioeconomy. Um, it's basically, um, oh, all the things that the, the government's going to be able to do, uh, and a lot of them, again, are a little bit on the frightening side, to advance biotechnology and um, specified in the order is the development of genetic engineering technologies and techniques and they're supposed to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way we write software and program computers um, to unlock the power of biological data so they would be using computing tools and AI and it says this this is what really struck a chord with me, even though, uh, J.B., you wrote this a while back. This executive order establishes a fast-tracked pipeline of mRNA shots and other gene therapies that will further the transhumanist agenda to create augmented humans and bring us into a post-human world. It talks about drug makers have expected this, and they have loads of mRNA candidates uh, in their pipeline, Pfizer initiated a phase three study that will test a quadrivalent mRNA-based flu shot this fall. And Moderna uh, began its phase three flu jab trial, just what we need, more mRNA shots. They want to create an annual one mRNA shot that covers all the top ten viruses that result in hospitalization. So now we are a year later, JB, and you mentioned this particular legislation. What was it, an executive order? And this is kind of where it's headed. Did did you know this is where it was headed? Because this this is uh, talk about your perilous times, right? Oh, it really is. And and uh, yes, I did only because I researched transhumanism so extensively oh, sure. for my previous 
book. Uh, but no, it caught me by surprise too when I saw just how far along they are. And what's what's uh, what's interesting is that you know, for having studied the Luciferian conspiracy for so long now, I am well aware that typically what they roll out for public consumption is you know ten years behind what mm. they've been doing in in dark smoke filled rooms. I suppose, and, and yeah. Secret laboratories, and so. I should have known better, uh, but I think what's happening now is they're opening all the doors, and they, they you know, I talk about in, in Volume 2, uh, the Luciferian timeline, they are targeting the, the mid-2020s as their end game. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's when they really would like to roll out the full-spectrum New World Order, and so they're basically saying all this stuff we've been experimenting with secretly, we're just going to throw it all out there, and uh, that's what ChatGPT is all about. You know, Chat. GPT wasn't new. That's OpenAI's uh, large language model AI. Uh, they they had similar t- technology for a long time, but now it's uh, publicly available, and it's just you know it's it's like a uh, you know a kid that that unlocks the candy cabinet and he's just there you know he's just going to go crazy right and that's what's happening. People that that really know very little about the implications of uh, AI are out there experimenting with it. And, you know, a lot of people that are on the cutting edge, like uh, Hinton, who's the formal uh, lead guy at, at Google's AI lab, uh, are out there warning, saying, guys, this is, this is you can't put the genie back in the bottle. We're, we are now creating AI text with AI-generated text. And it's just, they ran a study, I don't have it in front of me, but it's in the new book, where they discovered that, you know, after the fifth reiteration of, you know, like like you take a, a prompt, an original prompt like we did with asking the AI how to be saved, it gives you an answer. Well, then you feed that answer back in and ask it to answer another prompt based on just that information. Well, you do that five times, and all of a sudden it gets really, really weird, and there's these anomalies. And remember, AI is not just language models. You can do it with imagery and videos, and they ran this test with images and discovered that after the fourth and fifth times, these images looked incredibly evil, like something out of science Mm. fiction. They were just wicked uh, and distorted because the AI kind of turns on itself. So, I mean, I don't think anybody really has... uh, you know, a full understanding of where this is headed. But, of course, that shouldn't surprise us. I mean, they they rolled out the gene-altering bioinjections without any experimentation, and on humans anyway, and and look how that went. So it's a, it's a, it's a, all of this is a sign of the times, Mary, that we're getting closer and closer to the return of our Lord. Wow, and this executive order makes sure that they do not have to test anything anymore. And if you, if it gets to the point where you have to take this, this, uh, 10 disease shot. I mean, we're in over our heads, JB. As far as a human race, we are way above our pay grade. And that's the scary part. People don't know where this is going and they don't care. They actually don't care. And uh, wow, um, I don't know what to yeah, say. <laughs> I, I want to encourage folks. I know we're kind of teasing the book and, and you can't buy it yet, but within the next week to 10 days, you should be able to pre-order it at notbyworks.org. But in the chapter 9 of the new book, I have a whole chapter dedicated to escaping the prison planet, where I talk about how to unplug and how to kind of insulate yourselves from this pervasive AI. Great. Thank you, JB. We're out of time. we got to go. But I just appreciate you so much and your time. 
Um, and I didn't mention to people, if you want to attend the Prophecy Conference, go to ccableton.org, and you can register ahead. You can also register at the door. Again, that's all we have time for today. What a great subject. But therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a good day on purpose. <laughs>